Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Trey, heads or tails? This week, let's go heads. Usually a good call. It's flipping, it's flipping, it's flipping, it, and it's, it's heads. heads. It's All head. right. All right. Well, uh, you won the coin toss, so I'm going to give it to you this week for, for actually winning. Sounds uh, good. I, I, got a, I got a question about Mark Andrews for you. Will he, or will he not, or is he, or is he not a top three dynasty tight end? Today. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think we saw going into 2022, he was pretty much like the 1A to Travis Kelsey's 1B. Like everybody pretty much had them as like their number ones going into the year. And then, yeah, we missed uh, Lamar Jackson uh, for you know decent time last year. Um, and, you know, when Andrews was kind of like the only uh, like pass catcher in that offense, he definitely struggled. You know, he was, I think, like top 10, top 12 through the second half of the season after like being real hot at the beginning of the year. But I think we've seen enough out of him at this point that, yeah, he's still a top three tight end. Maybe that has just more to do with Kelsey's age and, you know, some of the question marks on around other top guys right now that I think he belongs in that discussion. Yeah. All right. Well, I I guess I take issue with it. I guess I'm taking the tails side here. Um, I think Mark Andrews is a top three with Lamar Jackson and not top three without him. And I I think that if the Ravens do get a different quarterback than um, who's who's backing him up right now, is it still Huntley? <sighs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Tyler Huntley is the number one backup right now. So yeah, that would not be a good situation. So if you give Mark Andrews a top 20 quarterback, he'll be a top three dynasty tight end. But if he's rolling out there with backup quarterbacks, it, it does concern me. And so I, now as far as value goes, though, I mean, he still has to be treated as a top three tight end asset. No doubt. You're not selling okay. him for less. Yeah, and I, I get what you're saying. Like, if you're betting on Lamar Jackson most likely leaving and, you know, them not bringing in, like, a better-than-average quarterback to replace Jackson, then, yeah, it's probably going to be tough sledding for uh, Andrews. So I I see what you mean. Um, I guess maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic that they would replace Jackson if he, you know, does leave with somebody more usable than Huntley, but uh, yeah, who knows? I guess I guess I got a question then. If you were contending, are you feeling good about trying to go by Mark Andrews if you're a contender with an addition of a tight end? I don't think if you're contending and you've got Mark Andrews, you need to be panicking right now. You know, it's still April, right? It's still so a little let's get early to be contending, Yeah, it's I a little suppose. bit early to, to panic, yeah. So <laughs> I think it, you... We've seen enough out of Mark Andrews that even if there's a you know worst case scenario and it is Tyler Huntley as his quarterback, uh, you know he'll still be usable and you can you know address that uh, tight end position when we're getting like closer to the actual season. So I don't think you have to like panic and make a move now today. All right, all right, don't panic, don't do it. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 83 of the Long Game Dynasty Podcast, where we talk about the happenings in the NFL and how it applies to Dynasty 
fantasy football. The only way to play fantasy football, am I right? I mean... That's right. Well, there are a lot of ways to play fantasy football. This is definitely one of them. Trey, how you doing? I'm good, man. It, it sure is one of them. You know, and we it's talked definitely a little one bit. Of them. We talked a little bit about our love for uh, Dynasty last week, and uh, I mentioned that you know I was kind of transitioning from my fantasy basketball season back into uh, Dynasty football, and uh, I did sew up that uh, basketball championship. Oh, you though, you so. got it. You did it. Yeah, Pat Pat's on backs here for uh, oh, the uh, Pat, the basketball Pat, Pat, team. Pat, Pat, Pat. Congrats, dude. <laughs> well, uh, similar. Similar to Lamar Jackson, Tarek is not showing up uh, to work today, so it's just the two of us. But we do have a really good episode this week. Uh, Today we're tackling two different topics. We're doing rookie tight ends, which, as y'all know, is my personal and absolute favorite topic, and vet buys and sells. But unlike last year, we have a pretty good group of guys in the tight end group this time around. And Trey and I, you you were talking, you and I were talking before the show, and we come to agreement on this. I think we'd take four to five of these guys that we're about to talk about over Trey McBride, who was tight end one last year. Yeah, that's right. This is a really strong, really deep class of uh, tight ends. I agree. I think there's four or five guys that are better prospects today than Trey McBride was as a prospect a year ago, the number one tight end prospect uh, rookie from last year. And, uh, you know, this is a big episode for us because this is our last of the rookie previews. And next time we do the pod, we can do our first uh, rookie mock draft. So definitely excited to blend all the ranks together and do that mock with you and Tark. Oh, yeah, man. And speaking of a blender, uh, we're going to hop into our intro here. And since we're doing a tight end episode and since we're doing a free agent episode, let's just blend that up for a second. Uh, we have some tight ends that went to new teams, and I just wanted to touch base with those guys before we move on. So Hayden Hurst, he went to the Panthers on a three-year deal Dalton Schultz went to Houston on a one-year deal. Mike Jacecki went to New England on a one-year deal. Ugh. Uh, Robert Tunyon <laughs> yeah, to Chicago on a one-year deal. Irv Smith Jr. to the Cincinnati Bengals for a one-year deal. And then Darren Waller to the Giants for three years. I wanted to talk pretty briefly about these guys. Um, do any of them jump out to you as like immediate good or bad situation for their value? Well, we already talked about Darren Waller last week. Uh, He clearly jumps out to me the most, more than anybody else that you just mentioned. I think he's the strongest, you know, positive uh, hit to his value uh, out of any of these guys. If I had to pick one other, I mean, Irv Smith to Cincinnati is definitely interesting. Spicy, definitely. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, he clearly hasn't put it together yet, uh, but he's also obviously been hampered by injuries. And, you know, that offense, while it hasn't really, you know, focused on the tight end position, we've seen some pretty good usable weeks from like CJ Uzama, uh, mm-hmm. some of the other guys that have, you know, come through Cincinnati. So Hayden Hurst didn't look too bad either at times. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Hayden Hurst has, you know, put up decent numbers over the years. He's not really somebody for the tight end position that, you know, I would want to rely on for a contender. Uh, and maybe the only other one. That's like a potential let me, contender. Let me jump in real quick, though, because um, I was I was pointing out Hayden Hurst on the Bengals looked oh, pretty sorry. good. No, yeah. it's all right. And I, I think that Irv Smith then, like, as I, I'm probably going to say a few more times in this episode, it takes time for tight ends to develop. And Irv Smith has been one of those guys that we've been hoping breaks out. 
every every year that we've done this podcast, we've hoped that he's going to break out. So, um, you know, it may not come, but he's still a really young player. And Hayden Hurst has shown that, like, there is a spot on the Bengals for a tight end pass catcher, like you mentioned with even CJ Uzama. But right. um, yeah, Hayden Hurst to the Panthers. You can go ahead with that. I think you were saying you don't want to rely on him, and I don't. I don't blame you. I, I'm not excited about the Panthers either for him. No, between Hayden Hurst and Irv Smith Jr., give me the upside of Irv Smith, especially in that Cincinnati offense. Definitely going to be scoring more touchdowns than the Panthers' offense this coming season with whoever that rookie quarterback is that's going to be leading Carolina. I guess the only other one that is kind of interesting for a contender is probably Dalton Schultz to Houston, uh, but that's also going to be another rookie uh, quarterback situation, and I would not want to be relying on Schultz for a contending roster either. So, Well, I mean, quarterbacks do love their safety net Dalton Schultz, so I mean, uh, might be Mr. Volume all over again. It'll be Mr. Volume, but I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of touchdowns to go around. But um, anyway, enough with the old guys. Let's get into the rookies. Oh, you don't want to talk about Mike Jacecki on the, the Patriots, dude? <laughs> dude, that is so frustrating, man. It's, uh, forget him. I, I will I will say that it can't be worse than last year for Gusecki. So Look, maybe I, it's a uh, you know, slight arrow pointing up, but I would not be wanting to rely on this dude. I might be going year. full galaxy brain here, but if he's if he gets cheap enough, then I will want him on my roster for next year. <laughs> anyway, I agree. Let's let's uh yeah. let's move on to the uh the rookies our first half here. And Trey, why don't you take it away? We're we're starting with your guy, your Notre Dame guy here, so you have the That's floor. That's right. That's right. Notre Domers. Uh, so Michael Mayer, uh, AKA baby Gronk is going to be the first tight end that we talk about here. But before we get in, uh, to these rookies too much, I do want to shout out, uh, that JJ Zacharyson of the late round podcast. He did an awesome episode a week or two ago on like a value study for rookie tight ends in your dynasty rookie drafts. And if you haven't listened to it yet, I really strongly, strongly recommend it. I don't want to like completely just recap the pod too much but you should definitely give it a listen uh jj really laid out the data that shows that rookie tight ends really don't gain all that much value uh, Mm -hmm. from their rookie year going into year two and compare it to some of the other investments you can make in your rookie draft like running backs and wide receivers they're kind of bad investments by comparison so for all of this discussion i think you and i recognize that that we're not necessarily going to be spending premium draft picks on any of these dudes, but a really, really interesting discussion and highly recommend you give that pod a listen. Yeah. I'm really glad you, you threw that out there because I, my, my little sarcasm at the beginning when I, when I was saying, Oh, it's my favorite episode. I've been preaching for the longest time that they're not good investments and I don't want to take rookie picks on tight ends. So it's almost like, Oh God, we got to talk about it. But the thing is, um, like I said, we do have an exciting group. So Thank you for for just letting the listeners know exactly how we really feel. That's right. That's where we stand. So back to Michael Mayer. Uh, Like I said, Baby Gronk, he was an absolute target monster at Notre Dame. He finished his third year in South Bend with a 31.1% target share to go with 809 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. He is widely projected right now to be the first tight end off the board in the actual NFL draft and currently projected to go mid to late first round on mock draft database. So looking at some really positive draft capital in his future. 
Unfortunately, Mayer really did not have the best testing at the combine. He measured in at six foot four and a half, 249 pounds. So that's decent size. It's good enough. But he only ran a 4740, which earned him a 7.62 relative athletic score. That means he's a, only a 76th percentile athlete, which is okay, but it's not elite athleticism, which is what we really want to see for these tight end prospects. Now, I already mentioned his production at Notre Dame, but I do just want to reiterate how good the production was because he put up a 35.8% dominator in that offense, which is 95th percentile. So super, super strong dominator. Unfortunately, it was only 12.1 yards per catch. I think that's definitely because he was used in such high volume. He he kind of profiles more as a possession receiver than like Mm -hmm. a downfield playmaker. But, you know, as a, a Notre Dame alum, I watched a lot of the games I saw him get used on first down for quick hitters like fairly regularly. And then they, the offense would come back to him again on third down when they really needed to move the chain. So he wasn't really ever like a yak machine. You know, he was kind of catching the ball and immediately falling down, <laughs> but he was a super reliable uh, receiving option for that Notre Dame offense. Uh, value wise, like we said, I'm not really interested in using a premium pick on him. I would start thinking about Mayer in that late first, early second round range. And I agree with kind of the general market consensus here. He's my rookie tight end one. But as we get into some of these other guys, I don't really see a huge gap between Mayer and some of the other rookies we're going to talk about, like maybe, uh, you know, other dynasty guys might see. Yeah. I, I like a lot of what you're saying here. And I think the biggest difference between Mayer and the, the rest of the field here is that he pretty much did the worst of of the bunch on the relative athletic score and he yeah. didn't do like poorly but like it's just he's he's an amazing like gamesman he's one of those football player high motor competitor dog at him but he he has great hands and he he does like you always see him just snagging snagging the ball over the middle of the field and he profiles as that as that big slot but you know, it's it's the athletic testing that just makes me think he's going to be good and not great in the NFL. And so, like, I agree that he's a good player. Like, there's no doubt. He's exciting to watch, too. But um, he's going to be too expensive, kind of as you were alluding to. Like, it's not likely right. that he's going to outperform his expectation if he's like a late first round rookie draft pick. Or, I mean, if he's taken in the first round of the actual NFL draft, too. You know, that's a lot of expectation put on a rookie tight end, as we've seen. And I just don't think that he's going to live up to to that. So um, he's going to be good, like top 10. I think he's ranked in the in the top 10 already on keep trade cut. And it's just it's too high. And um, I think that drops a little before it picks back up. But at the other side of this, it's like he's probably going to be a starting pass catching tight end in the NFL. So there is some degree of safety, I think to picking him as well, where I think he's going to have a starting gig in the NFL for a bit. I, I agree with you. I think it's a high floor pick. Like I don't really see him busting. Like I think he's going to be a pretty successful yeah. pro at the next level. Uh, but I do obviously have concerns about his upside because of the athletic testing. So we might see him kind of fit in, similar to somebody like TJ Hawkinson before Hawk had this big blow up this year. You know, I think the that's Hawk explosion, sort of, right? Exactly. Like Hawk pre explosion, I think is sort of what we can expect for, 
you know, early career uh, Michael Mayer. So I guess before we move on, um, we both said that we're we're not in on the price. At what point does the price become okay to you? So say like two oh six in your rookie draft. I think I think two oh six that is a smash deal because you're you're getting a pretty solid uh, receiving tight end. You know, I, I this goes back to my comments about the late round pod and and the study that JJ Zacharyson did. There's not a whole lot of value upside in you know drafting these rookie tight ends, but when the price is that low and potentially you're filling a you know a hole on your roster, then I don't think that's like a bad investment. And like we you know both said, this is probably a pretty safe pick as far as rookie tight ends go. Well, when we get to our rookie mock draft, I'm going to be really excited to see where he goes, where where this shakes out, because I'm hesitant, but at some point, it, he becomes a buy. We just got to figure out at what point that yeah. is. Yeah. Well, let's uh, hear this uh, next tight end. I want to hear your thoughts on this next All right. one. Well, Dalton Kincaid, and you're not just going to hear my thoughts on Dalton Kincaid. Uh, you're going to hear Chris Collinsworth's as well, because it's one of his favorite players, man, and <laughs> you know why. Because he used to play basketball, and you're going to hear all about it for the length of his career. Kincaid, out of Utah, uh, he actually joined his high school football team his senior year, made All-State, and then he walked on to play football at the San Diego State University, who are are good at basketball now, too, (laughs) so this just pulls the whole thing together. But then he transferred to Utah, um, it unfortunately looks like he didn't participate in the combine, so we're going to have to go off of uh, some other things here. He's right. 6'4", 246 pounds. He had a 34% dominator, but he's somewhat small for a tight end. Like I think he's going to be another one of those big slot guys. I, I think we're looking for him to be over 240 pounds, so he barely hits that. But um, but this is good for fantasy football. Um, he, he's a a pass catcher. He's not really a blocker. So he really is that big slot guy. And on tape, I think he's an absolute natural just with the uncoachable instinct that you see. He shows soft hands and where he lacks in his plus athleticism, he makes up for with his patience and his natural feel for the game and that high motor. Um, he can set up defenders too, like just kind of with those, with those basketball ball fakes. Uh, go up for the jump ball, and uh, it's just all the things you want to see. And so he's projected as a first or second round tight end, mm-hmm. and pro football focus, and I think keep trade cut, have him at tight end 19. And so that's probably too low, actually, uh, because this guy could be a top 10 guy in a couple years. And remember, when I say a top 10 guy, like there's a big five or six when it comes to tight end, but being a or being a top ten guy, it's not really as it's as difficult as it sounds. Like it would be for like a running back or a wide receiver. So yeah, before you go on, I don't even care if he's top ten. Like these tight ends, because you're in most dynasty leagues, you're only starting uh, one tight end spot. Like if it's not a top six player, then it doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. right? You can be top twelve, you can be top twenty. Does like that is like a difference that doesn't really matter it's you're looking for top six or better Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i don't typically like the the type of tight end that that doesn't just blow up the charts with athleticism but i have a a soft spot for players like him and players like um mayor that we just talked about that are just really good football players so 
Yeah, I I see potential like Mike Jacecki plus or like Dalton Schultz plus, but I don't expect it to be his first year and I'm not going to draft him. But he's yeah. my tight end 1B, 1C, I guess, because I haven't talked about my tight end one just yet. OK, so Mayer is not your tight end one. You've got Kincaid over Mayer by a slight bit. No, I I actually have Mayer uh, ahead. I have Kincaid as my like. Okay, we'll say one C then. Okay, okay, or All three, right, cool. however you want to do it. No, I I agree with you. I do think it's really close. Uh, I have Dalton Kincaid as my tight end too, uh, but I definitely think he belongs in that same tier discussion as Michael Mayer. Uh, like you said, I think they're really similar type players. Uh, similar size, like right around 6'4", 245 plus pounds, uh, similar film grades with from Lance Erline on NFL.com. And yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get the uh, the athletic testing for Kincaid, but he did put up a 15.8 yards per catch average uh, his last year in college. So that's pretty freaking good at Utah uh, to go with a 34.1% college dominator. So clearly he is a capable pass catcher. Um, I like I mean, this is just a super strong uh, tight end prospect. I think I agree with you on the um, like the overall value here. Like we were saying, I probably would wait till the second round for Kincaid, but um, you know, it's going to be another like high floor, maybe like low ceiling type uh, rookie prospect here. Mm-hmm. I I can see situations where he becomes the tight end one. Like if he is a late first round pick, where I do see him being projected yeah. sometimes. Or even like a just a friendly landing spot in the second round too is enough. So so mock draft database right now has him projected to go first round. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty good. It's it's going to be <laughs> tough to parse this out, and I I think that I like that he's a little lengthier than uh, Mayer. He he's got he's a little smoother, I guess, as where Mayer is right. just like a bulldozer and. Right. I don't know. It's it's just so close between the two, but um, yeah, I I think we'll we'll know a little bit more come draft day. Uh, it's, it, there's a chance he falls too, right? I, I think. Well, there's you say that we'll know more draft day. I mean, they're close enough now to where I think there's an argument that landing spot and well, landing spot specifically could flip them, assuming they both go first round or both go second round, but um. No, I mean, it's it's a really tight group here. And another one who I think belongs in the same tier. I'm just going to move us along Go ahead. to the next guy here on the list. Uh, we've got Darnell Washington out of Georgia. This is a very different type of prospect oh, than yeah. Mayer and Kincaid, right? So Darnell Washington, he's a lot taller. He's six foot seven, and he's a lot heavier. He's 264 pounds. And like I said, he's out of Georgia. So he was sharing the field down there with uh, Brock Bowers, who's looking like the tight end one for next year's class. Darnell Washington uh, currently projected to go early second round in mock draft database. So right there in that same area as uh, Mayer and Kincaid. Uh, unfortunately, he did not have great production at Georgia. Washington in 2022 only had 28 catches for 454 yards and just two touchdowns. But he did put up 16.2 yards per catch, which was the highest yards per catch average in the rookie class. So the reason he was able to get, you know, so many yards per catch on average is his amazing athleticism. I already mentioned the size, uh, but at that elite size, he ran a four, six, four forty, which was good enough for a 9.88 <laughs> relative athletic score. 
That means he's a top 98th percentile athlete. And yeah, there's a lot of good athletes in this tight end class, but that is like one of the best of the best. And it's coming from a blue chip SEC program like Georgia. So yeah, I think Washington here, I, I really like him as the tight end three in this rookie class. I think there's a strong argument that out of the three guys we've talked about that the athleticism for Washington gives him the highest upside of the group. I mean, yeah, maybe there is some risk that teams bring him on more as a blocker, but that also means he's on the field more and he's getting more of those reps and more of those opportunities. So, you know, I, that argument to me, that can kind of go either way. I, I think the bigger risk here with Washington is just the lack of the receiving production, right? Compared to Mayer and Kincaid, when we say those are higher floor options, it's because we know they're elite pass catchers and they can get it done. We haven't really seen it yet with Washington. So he's got to develop into an NFL pass catcher. I wouldn't really think about Washington before like the late second round in rookie drafts, but this is a pretty high upside option. If you like that 9.88 RAS. Oh, you know, I like that, but you know what I didn't like is watching his tape because like you mentioned, he shares the field with Brock Bowers who, oh my fucking God is good. Oh yeah. There's no might be the number one tight end next year. Like he's the man. He's 40. No, he he's he's incredible. And what I saw from Darnell Washington, other than playing second fiddle out there, uh, is that he is actually an excellent blocker. And so yeah. if you're if you're concerned that he's going to the NFL to to block instead of receive, I think there's he's already made a good case for that and his lack of production. So it's it's almost harmful to his fantasy value that his real life skill set is being a great blocker because and, and that's what I mean by that could go either way, right? Because it's going to get him on the field. It's going to get him more reps, more starting experience, but it could potentially cut down on the number of actual routes that he's running. If, you know, a offensive coordinator is just leaving him in to block more than, you know, go run routes downfield. Yeah. And I see where you're coming from, but I think enough like of the tape has convinced me that he is my tight end four. Okay. Um, and as we've been mentioning, it's, it's close. I just, he was on the field a lot. He, he didn't get a lot of touches, a lot of catches. And even though uh, two, these, these tell a different story. So like that 40 time is, is objectively fast, but he looked really slow out there at times. And I, I don't know. I, I'm, that's a big man to be running a four six four though. It is, and I've I've also watched him running downfield, blocking like college cornerbacks and safeties and stuff. Oh man, it's not a good day for those guys. But I don't know. Yeah, whatever happens with Darnell Washington, I think the second round is too early to draft him. I think if you can get him in the third round and put him on your taxi, that is going to be a pretty good move. And again, I, I'm normally against draft drafting tight ends in the third round, but I think this guy is going to take time to develop no matter what. And so give him that time on your taxi and hope that the relative athletic score carries him to the finish line because there, there's a chance. And this is kind of like if he hits, he's going to hit real hard kind of situations, but I I'm wagering that he doesn't. Any last thoughts on him though? Well, it is a little bit reminiscent of uh, Jelani Woods from last year, who was just absolutely, you know, crushing the combine. I think he was also a 10 out of 10 relative athletic score. He ended up going in the second round as well to the Colts. And mm -hmm. we didn't see a lot of Jelani Woods his rookie year. I mean, this is what happens to 
uh, these tight ends. Like you say, I mean, it takes time to develop. Uh, I think maybe one of the differences here is um, there is like some pretty good film grades out there for Darnell Washington. I'm sure a lot of that does have to do with pass blocking, but I think there's reason for upside um, that, you know, that experience at Georgia is going to help him, you know, translate to the next level. Yeah. And that's a good point. Jelani Woods, nobody's really upset if they have Jelani Woods on their team right now. It's just kind of like, but you're still at the same point that you were last year where he's not, you're not starting him, but you're, no. you're liking that he's kind of found a, a niche for himself and hoping that he gets more reps and more pass catches, but it's remained to be seen. The potential is still the there. here. I think that's the floor here, but at uh, to fair point, we weren't thinking about Jelani Woods at the end of the second round, but um, you mentioned you've got Washington at as your tight end rookie number four. I don't really hate that because I've got him pretty close to the next guy here who I, it sounds like you might have ranked above him. All right. My tight end one is Luke Musgrave, actually the nephew of Beal Musgrave, NFL coach. Beal. Uh, he's my number one tight end because he's 6'6", 253. He's in the 87th percentile or above in his 40 speed score and burst score. And apparently at the Senior Bowl, he was clocked at 20.5 miles per hour. He received a 9.94 relative athletic score, which is the number seven out of 120 tight end scores, uh, according to uh, Pro Football Focus since 1987. So that's why we're making such a big deal out of these 10s and 9.94s. Similar to Washington, Luke Musgrave has hardly any production to go off here, but this wasn't due to playing second fiddle or blocking. It was actually because of injuries. So 20 games in his entire four-year college career played, he had 47 total catches. On tape, everything I saw was just good. I just wanted more of it. He had good hands, good instincts, great size, great speed. And I've read that Musgrave could be anywhere from a day one to a day three pick, but I think he does actually land as a round two pick because he's just oozing with the most potential that I've seen out of any of these guys. And, you know, he might not ever reach that because of injuries or whatever, but I think you're going to get a huge discount on a hyper-athletic tight end because of these injuries. But it's not just, he doesn't have just one or the other. I think he's one of those whole packages, hyper-athletic with the ability. I think the only thing that's just been holding him back is these injuries, so... If I can get this guy in the third round of the rookie draft, I am hammering that. Like I said, he's my tight end one. I, I do think that it might take some time to adjust, as it does with all of them. But if there's one tight end on this entire list that I'm excited about, it's this guy. Oregon State's kind of a weird school to come out of. I don't think we've seen like a decent uh Are you helmet scouting, Trey? <laughs> was, was Brandon Cooks an Oregon State guy? I don't Is know. I think I think he might have been. That might be like the last relevant player, um, at least for fantasy that I, I can think of. But no, I'm not not to helmet scout here at all. I'm I'm not surprised he's your number one. He's also uh Lance Zerline's uh number oh, one. Uh, I didn't top, know that. Well top film score out of the class at six point four nine. So there you go. Um and I do think that maybe you just convinced me to move him up over Darnell Washington. So I'll just do it live yeah, here on air. Let's go. Musgrave's my new number three. Uh, with the opportunity to move up higher. Um, 
No, I mean, I like them for all the same reasons you just mentioned. I think there's something to the idea of preferring a guy who didn't, you know, put up the production that you want because of an injury as opposed to just getting his lunch eaten by a teammate, you know? So um, I think there's something to that. And yeah, you already mentioned the relative athletic score, the, I mean, the yards per catch average. I did write uh, in my notes that. that, that Oregon state has beeves written on their Jersey. So that's got to count <laughs> for something. I mean, that's better than helmet scouting. Yeah, right there. That's Jersey scouting. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I maybe not as my number one. Cause I think the mayor and Kincaid of this class are probably safer bets. Oh, they're uh, definitely but, safer. I'll give you that. I just, yeah, he's one for potential. And like, yeah, again, when we're debating these tight ends, like, like you mentioned, I don't want a top 10 tight end. I want a top five tight end. And right. of all these dudes, I think he could reach that top five. I like it. I like it. Yep. Uh, so my tentative number three for now, your tentative number one. All right, let's move. Let's, let's move on. Uh, so Sam Laporta from Iowa. Laporta is kind of an interesting combination of all of the four prospects we just talked about. So with Mayer and Kincaid, these were production machines, but not elite athletes. Washington and Musgrave are the opposite elite athletes with not a lot of production. I think Laporta kind of falls more in the middle. Mm -hmm. So he, he played four years at Iowa and he put up a 27% target share, which is pretty freaking good. Uh, Unfortunately, that offense that only translated to 650 yards receiving with one touchdown as a senior, it was not a very good offense whatsoever. He did put up a 25.5% college dominator, which is good but that only uh, translated to the 12 yards per catch. So that's kind of similar to Mayer, right? He was a high volume possession style receiver who wasn't, you know, blowing the top off these defenses or running by uh, safeties and linebackers. But unlike Mayer, Laporta had a great combine. He ran a four, five, nine 40, which was the fastest of these five. Mm-hmm. And that gave him a relative athletic score of 9.5. So this is another 95th percentile or better tight end uh, our third one that we've talked about already. So ba- based off of that alone, I think there's an argument that Laporta's production should actually put him a be- ahead of Musgrave and ahead of Washington because, you know, to go with that elite athleticism, he actually put it out on the field uh, in college. But you know, there's a couple of things kind of holding him back. He is a little bit shorter. So Laporta is six foot three compared to, you know, six, six for Musgrave, six, seven for Washington. And if you look at the film score from Lance Zerline, Laporta did not grade out as highly in the film score as those other guys, you know, only a 6.18, which kind of projects more as a backup who could mm-hmm. develop than as a starter. And because of that, I'll slide him in down at number five. I like the approach of kind of grouping all of these guys into a tier though, and just seeing, Agreed. you know, whoever, whoever falls the furthest, right? Like whoever's available in the third round, I don't think you can really go wrong because there's not a ton of separation between Laporta, Musgrave and Washington here. Agreed. And Laporta is also my tight end five. And I cannot overemphasize that that's still good. That's still above where I have Trey McBride. And what I don't like is the, the height and the six, three is just not what I like to see in a tight end. And a little bit shorter. I, I get, I get the right to be picky choosy because we have other prospects that are, just bigger and taller, but that speed's nice. And like you said, we'll, we'll see how the chips fall. Uh, Laporta could be 
Well, if there's one guy to helmet scout, I was a good place to start doing that. And dear lord, no uh, kidding. Yeah, the target share is nice. There's a a good chance that this that this prospect pans out. So Sam Laporta is on my radar. I could be swayed to move him up in my rankings. This is just where he is now. And yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we're, we're doing this exercise like we did with all of these rookies. Like we got to make a ranking based on what we know today. And what we know today is, you know, he's projected to go in the second round, same as these other guys. So let's kind of put him number five out of five here. But uh, this is definitely tentative to change based on what happens on draft day. Agreed. All right. Well, I guess it's it's oh, not halftime. Don't don't drop the mic. Trey, do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, last one, just honorable mention to Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. So super small school prospect. Uh, he's projected right now as a third rounder, so still a day two pick. He also had a real nice relative athletic score of an 8.16. Uh, and he also had a real nice college dominator, 21.2% dominator. Granted, yes, at a small school, but I've seen uh, drafts, mock drafts that had him as high as the second round. So look out for him on day two of the actual NFL draft. Yeah. All right. Heard that from Trey Tucker Craft. Now I got, well, I was going to go with Brenton Strange from Penn State until I just watched his film and kind of just moved on. I think he's okay. And uh, he's he's a dude that might be taken in the fifth round or something like that. Put him on your taxi squad. Uh, he got a 6.2 film grade from Lance Zerloin. 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 Sorry, bud. Uh, so the guy I went with is Zach Kuntz or Kuntz. Uh, Zach Kuntz is better because he's a 10 out of 10 relative athletic score. Top number one, hundredth percentile, fast, big, all of that. So if we're doing late round dart throws, you could do a lot worse than that. He's from Old Dominion. You know, we'll we'll see how NFL teams feel about him. But, you know, I'm a sucker for that for that athletic score relatively. Oh yeah. Yeah. Zach Coons, uh, acts like absolutely tore it up at the combine. So I don't know if anybody did more for their <laughs> career prospect than he did, but, uh, no, that's, uh, it's cool to see. It's a good shout out. All right, guys, we're skipping halftime. So we're going to move right to the free agency buys and sells. Uh, we've been focusing a lot on rookies and so now we're just going to Go back and stretch our legs and talk about the NFL vets, and we're getting close to uh, we're getting close to the NFL draft. So, just wanted to talk about buys and sells prior to that. And Trey, I'll let you I'll let you hit the floor running here with your number one buy. All right. So, yeah, like you said, coming out of free agency, we don't necessarily have all of the landing spots yet for some of these guys, but I think we've got a lot more information, obviously, now than we did a month ago. So my number one buy right now is DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he's currently going as wide receiver 38 on keep trade cut. So I'm, I'm giving a little bit of an old guy here uh, for the listeners as a buy. I mean, Yes, he is about to turn 31 years old in June, but if you're looking at best ball drafts right now, I like using best ball ADP as sort of a reference in the off season. It's something I'm going to start doing more and referencing more. Okay. He's currently going wide receiver 17 on underdog, which is, you know, maybe one of the sharper best ball, uh, best ball markets out there. 
And I think that's right. And that actually might even be a little bit too low. I could see him clearing 17 points per game in 2023. I could see him putting up another wide receiver one type season because just look at what he did in nine games last year. He had a 29.4% target share to go with 2.21 yards per route run. That made him top five in expected fantasy points per game out of all wide receivers. So I don't think it's like too much of a stretch to say that he could repeat and put up a a wide receiver one season over all of 2023. And I think this wide receiver 38 price tag for Hopkins, I don't think that's really pricing in the upside of him signing to a better situation than Arizona. Like one of the most commonly rumored locations that he could end up is Kansas City. And that would absolutely blow up like his price. Like wide receiver 38 seems like a steal to me. And I think you can kind of expect two years of wide receiver one production for a guy that that's cheap. I mean, that's a screaming buy to me. Yeah, I'm on the fence, Trey. I might need a little more convincing here. I just wanted to throw a little caution into the wind here. And I remember a guy named Julio Jones. And Julio was just elite until immediately he wasn't and never looked back. So we got DeAndre Hopkins the last two seasons not really getting it done. And I don't know, man, he's getting up there in age and... There's a chance that this this just doesn't go well, right? But at the end of the day, you're not spending a whole lot on acquiring DeAndre Hopkins, I guess. But when I look at keep trade cut, I see that he's worth a Rashad White and Isaiah Pacheco, Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, Zay well, Flowers. On, you're, saying, you're saying he's going the same range as those guys? Yeah. As wide receiver 38? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... I mean... Rashad White, uh, you know, say what you will about the buy or sell there. But um, listen, you you say that he didn't really get it done the last two years. Like, yeah, go back to 2021. It was not a great year. His first year there in Arizona, like I think he was kind of hovering around that 20% target share area. But then he absolutely tore it up the nine games he played in 2022. So I think we saw enough this last year coming out of that PED suspension that you know, he still has it. And I'm like at that price tag, that wide receiver 38, I think like if you can get wide receiver one production out of that, that's like a very cheap investment for your contending roster. I will say though, the the last week that he had wide receiver one production was week 11 last year. And I'm not, I'm not hating too much because I think that there is a chance that you're getting a huge discount on a wide receiver one. I just see that at wide receiver 38 cost here but i see that well hang on hang on what week did kyler murray get hurt probably around the same right but maybe that has something to do with it yeah i okay but like we're wish listing or wish casting his landing spot too like you know god forbid he goes to a team that just can't can't toss the rock you know like there are worse situations out there so I don't think I don't think Arizona was the best situation. I think it was probably middle of the road, you know, so I think it was a decent spot for him to be. I think there's upside in that price. Yeah, there's certainly some downside, too. But um, anyway, let's move on. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of <laughs> speaking of old guys. uh, Yeah. Alvin Kamara. That's my guy. Now old, I guess he'll be 28 this year. So yeah, for running- saying he's. A buy or sell? I'm saying that he's a buy. And as for a running back, you know, 28 years old is knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, but 
He's also coming off his worst season as a pro uh, from a fantasy production standpoint, but his stats aren't as bad as you'd think they are. His his pass catching work was down. Uh, he only had 57 receptions, and his rushing work was actually the second most that he's had in his career at 223 attempts. The biggest difference was touchdowns. Only two on the ground and two passes caught for four touchdowns all year. And he still was running back 16 on the year. And in points per game, he was running back 13 at 14.1 points per game. So I think that he's still elite. The The Saints just had a rough year last year or two. And running back 34 is just wrong. And the elephant in the room is the looming suspension. Right. But I, I don't care. Like, give give the old man a, a four-week vacation or six or eight, I guess. Let him rest his old bones. But Derek Carr is a better option than last year, and I think Kamara has two good years left minimum in the tank. So if Keep Trade Cut's saying he's worth Brian Robinson or the two-point – or I'm sorry, the seventh pick in the second round this year, like, just absolutely not. Go buy him. I'd even say go buy him as a rebuilder. I'm pulling this stunt in our original Dynasty League. I, I'm My team is terrible, but I bought him for an Elijah Moore, and I plan on selling him when his uh, season starts to remind people that he's a good football player. So you tell me, Trey, do you think this is a buy? I agree. I do think it's a buy. Uh, I think what running back 34 is so, so cheap that it's hard to argue with, you know, buying at that price. Uh, I do have some concerns about the upside. Like you mentioned the 223 rush attempts last year, uh, definitely not his most efficient season. And, you know, that efficiency is really where he like is so, so dangerous. Right. But that said, um, Clearly, it was not a very good offense. They did not have good running back play. They didn't really have any reliable pass catchers besides Chris Olave. So I think that made, you know, tough sledding for Kamara. And I absolutely agree. I think Derek Carr is a better option for that offense. And if the suspension does only end up being four or six games, then yeah, this is a buy at mid second round price for sure. Yeah, he did still have above four yards per carry. So we, we like to see that too. Oh, God, that is a low bar, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rough right. year. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so uh, let's go on to another old running back here. So our our buys are just going to be the, the, the oldest man on earth here. That's right. But I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. All right. He's currently going as running back 20 right now on keep trade cut. So not as low as Camara, but that's still a pretty insane discount on somebody who I am more confident on being a running back one in 2023. I'm definitely more confident in him as an RB one than Kamara. And if you look at underdog ADP right now, they agree with me. They have him going as their RB eight uh, <laughs> off the board right now and other best ball sites. He's going even higher than that. And yeah, I, I know what the discount is. Like it's not a great situation. He's 29 years old. Like I get it. But in that same tier, that's like a similar price to Rashad White, who you just mentioned, mm-hmm. a similar price to Miles Sanders. I guess Hopkins. Like to, I guess Hopkins, <laughs> I, who are both buys uh, to me. But um, I mean, I guess if I had to choose one, I would take Derrick Henry, because if you're talking about RB1 production, uh, like that's not close to some of those other guys in the tier. So this is an insane discount on probably another two years of solid production. He's going to have it until he doesn't. Yeah. And. 
you know, you know, I can't agree with this more. I think the Titans are going to be awful next year. But I mean, Derrick Henry has just shown that he does not care that they're going to hand him the ball 28 to 35 times. And he's just going to keep being Derrick Henry until he isn't. We've discounted him for the past like five years. Uh, and we just keep saying it every year. He's, he's falling down the ranks, but he continues to put up uh, running back, like top five running back numbers every year. His points per game last year were 18.8. Dear God. I mean, they toss it to him too. Not really like like a pass catching back, but like he is the offense. And the Titans have shown no other offensive pieces like it's a miserable situation right now, but he's going to score points like running back 20 is just I'm I'm shaking. I'm getting mad. Like you say you say it's going to be a miserable situation, but you you are also like a a fan. Right. And you, you have low expectations going into the year. I'm telling you, it may not be as bad as you think. Right. And you get another year of development out of uh, Burks. Say they bring Tannehill back. Uh, they maybe they add another piece through the draft. Like there's reason to think that this could turn around and that running back 20 is just a joke of a discount. Yeah. We'll see, man. We'll see. All right. Let's move on to the sell portion of the program. And I will kick things off with Najee Harris, currently running back number 13 on keep trade cut. I've seen him as high as running back eight on other websites, hovering around running back 10 He's being taken in Superflex startup drafts around the fourth to fifth round ahead of running backs like Javante Williams, Nick Chubb, Ramondre Stevenson, Pollard, and he's still valued around the sixth pick in the first round, maybe the seventh pick in the 2023 draft. Um, And Najee just really looked like he took a step or two back last year, the old-fashioned sophomore slump, if you will. His pass catching went down from 74 receptions his rookie year to 41. And his points per game went down from 17.7 to 13.2 points per game. And he really just didn't look that great either. I think Tomlin's going Tomlin's gonna continue to deploy more of a committee moving forward. And that takes away what Najee really depends on, which is his volume. His stats weren't like all that bad. He still had the fifth most carries of all the running backs. He was number four in evaded tackles, although I don't know how because he was moving in slow motion. But he had that 3.7 true yards per carry, and he was just too often swallowed up. He also had a terrible breakaway run rate and terrible yards created. So I'm just going to be honest. I I don't see the arrow moving in the right direction here. I think now is a great time to re-roll because if there's an interested party, the price is still good enough to cash out. Yeah, yeah, I... I don't want this to be too much of an agree fest here, man, but I strong agree as well. Uh... Those names that you mentioned, Nick Chubb, Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard, I would prefer all of them straight up to Najee Harris. I would also love the opportunity to trade him for the 106 or 107 Guys, in this rookie draft. Tra- I think Trey, trade him for Derrick Henry plus. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could probably, it sounds like at that value, you might be able to get like Derrick Henry in a second round yeah, or, right. or like something in that range. So yeah, there's, there's some ways to improve your team by selling Najee Harris for sure. You mentioned the um the true yards per carry being bad. I the breakaway run rate being bad. I mean, obviously he didn't have uh you know the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger just funneling him checkdowns mm-hmm. like every single play and 
you know, he was dealing with that rookie quarterback situation, but some people will probably point to the development of Kenny Pickett and, you know, the development of George Pickens and that offense is maybe taking a step forward as reasons to be optimistic about Najee Harris. But I agree with you. I think sell while you can at RB 13 price. Yeah. I think about it, man. If he enters the next year, just slow couple first four games or something, his value is going to take a nosedive. Who was the the rookie they had um, that was their RB2? Warren. Yeah, that's right. Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren, like throughout the course of the year, uh, I, I listened to Chris Harris almost every day during the NFL season. He was consistently saying that on film, Jalen Warren looked better than Najee Harris well, straight up. And you can't deny and I think that it. Passes the, the coaches test, saw too. it too. The coaches right. saw it too. And he was better at pass pro also. And when you're trying to protect a young quarterback, like – you, you might want a guy that can block a little better and pass pro. And anyway, Najee Harris sucks. Sell him. Moving on. Yeah. Who you got? Moving on. Moving on. Anyway. Um, so another vet who I think is a little bit overvalued right now that I think you could sell uh, is DK Metcalf, which Ooh, kind of hurts a little bit to say for sure. You know, he's, <laughs> he's a, he's a favorite of the pod for sure. He actually used to be when we started this pod, he was my wide receiver one in dynasty. So He's now fallen down to the wide receiver 10 on keep trade cut. Uh, I think that's still kind of too high. Uh, looking at underdog ADP, he's down around wide receiver 15. So, you know, middle to high end wide receiver two. I'm projecting him closer to wide receiver 20. I think he's more of a low end wide receiver two because that's a lot more in line with what we saw out of him last year in 2022 in that Geno Smith offense. Yes, Geno Smith was a, was a great story. Yes, DK Metcalf was usable, but he was only putting up 13.3 points per game, which was wide receiver 24 on the year last year. So I don't see that greatly improving this year. It's not like they're adding you know new pieces, new offensive philosophy. It's not like Geno Smith is going to play like worlds better than what we saw last year. I mean, I don't I don't see the upside here. And I think if you can sell and get out at wide receiver 10 price, you can get a lot more upside in your contending roster than somebody who projects, at least in my view, as more of a low end wide receiver two option. Yeah. As I mentioned, this hurts because I don't want to agree with you. And this is just bias because A, he's one of my most rostered wide receivers and B, he's one of my favorite players. But we got to put that aside for a second and and realize that yeah, he's he's not hitting those marks that we wish that he'd be hitting right now. And he continues to be a wide receiver too, dressed up in a, a Superman outfit. So, yeah, I mean, he's an incredible athlete, incredible wide receiver. But yeah, uh, the other thing is the Seahawks have the number five pick in this draft. So I'm kind of not interested in selling Metcalf until the draft happens because I could see a situation where the Seahawks get a quarterback that they like and Geno is just going to be an expensive uh, veteran presence quarterback in the next year or two. And so there's a situation where I can see Decaf being like emerging as that guy again. But no matter what, that's going to take time. And DK is only 25. So like... 
we have time, but if you're looking to to compete with a, a wide receiver one right now, I don't think DK is going to be that. And so I, I think that's the point, yeah. right? Because if, if say they do draft a quarterback at uh, number five, like you say, that means that you're still projecting at least a year away from Metcalf mm-hmm. bouncing back, right? Because we don't project those bounce back seasons to happen with a rookie quarterback as a rule. Like that's, that's not good process. So on along those lines, I think this ranking right here, this keep trade cut wide receiver 10 ranking for Metcalf, I think that reflects that people believe in the talent. They recognize that he has put up a wide receiver one in the past. Granted, that was uh, three seasons ago now. And I think it's kind of like a high floor safety type play when really that to me is bad process mm-hmm. with these receivers in this range. Like you're not winning your league with a wide receiver two season from DK Metcalf, right? So if you're a contender, you could be trading that value to get more valuable contributing contender pieces to your roster. And if you're rebuilding, you can't really afford to wait a year for that value to bounce back because it's already pretty high at wide receiver 10, you know, like there's not that much room for that value to go up from there. So for a rebuilder, you're better off trying to find pieces that have more upside for value than Metcalf does at wide receiver 10 right now. Yeah. Not only that, I'd just like to throw out there that last year, Geno Smith was the number five overall fantasy quarterback and DK still was only wide receiver 16 in PPR. Wide receiver 16 in PPR, wide receiver 24 in points per game. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, 13.28 points per game. So, right. You know, those two stats side by side is not a good indication of, yeah, I mean, what? We, Where's we the have upside? To, we have to think that Gino is going to take at least a step or two back next year. I I don't know if he's repeating a number five season. So, yeah, the upside's it's fleeting. And, you know, even though I booed you and don't want to agree with you, I, I happen to agree with you, so... Here we right. are. So, so sell DK Metcalf. Se- there you go. Sell DK Metcalf. And my last one here to wrap things up, I, I wanted to do something a little spicier. You know, not not your basic sell aging player for young player. No, I want to I want to sell a player that's young and just a stud. And that's Amon Ross St. Brown, currently wide receiver eight on keep trade cut. And first and foremost, I absolutely love the sun god, unlike silly mythological gods like Zeus and Thor and Jesus and Loki. The sun god is as real as it gets. Amon-Ra has all kinds of great things working for him in his favor. That 28% target share on a team that likes to throw the ball and put up points. Number four in Yak. Number five in receptions. Number 10 in fantasy points per game at 16.7. Number nine in yards per outrun. You get the point. He's he's an absolute yeah, baller, he's right? he's good. Um, and I just think that he's due for a little bit of regression here. I think JMO takes on a bigger role, as does Hawk. And but this isn't about him regressing to the point where I don't want him on my squad or anything like that. Um, another thing is he's only put up five touchdowns and six touchdowns respectively in his first two years. So he's a sell to me because of what I can get in return. And according to Keep Trade Cut, Amon Ra is worth uh, Jonathan Taylor, Chris Olave, Stroud, or Bryce Young if. You know, you're sold on those quarterbacks. He's the number 20 player overall. So you could get Kyler plus you could get Kyle Pitts. You could get Brees in some situations because of the injury discount. You could get JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba plus 
And I think you can just make your team better by pivoting off of Amon Ra right now, or most importantly, by getting a quarterback. So think about something like this, like Amon Ra plus Danny Dimes. Is this how you get Joe Burrow? I mean, it says that that's even, but I I know that these quarterbacks are hard to get, but this might be a key to unlocking an elite quarterback on your team. So I know you're not a fan of selling elite young talent, but what do you think about this idea here? Well, well, first off, you don't have to worry about TJ Hawkinson bouncing back because he's on Minnesota now. So uh, you're safe, right? (laughs) God damn, that's fun. (laughs) You're safe. He's going to be, he doesn't have to worry about Hawkinson. But The ever rare trade back to to your original team, you you don't think that's in the cards? He's he's safe from Hawkinson stealing targets, but let me just kind of walk through this with you. I currently have Amon Ross St. Brown as my wide receiver nine in Dynasty, uh, so I'm right there next to uh, keep trade cuts ranking of wide receiver eight. I think he belongs in this tier of these super, super talented young guys like Drake London and Garrett Wilson who are coming off of like very solid uh, rookie years. The difference, I guess, between Amon Ross St. Brown and DK Metcalf, who I just talked about, I think St. Brown has more scoring potential for this year than Metcalf does. Um, I, I think we're, we can probably pencil him in for another 15 points per game plus season. So that's more of like a high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one, which if you just think about it like that, like a high-end wide receiver two at that value it's hard for me to really disagree with what you're saying, because if you're talking about adding a quarterback to your dynasty roster and you can trade a Mon Ross St. Brown away to do that, that makes sense to me. And I think that that's a good, I think that's like a good process approach to building your dynasty roster. Now that said, I wouldn't want to trade him away for like someone like rookie Jackson Smith and Jigba, because I think that's just adding unnecessary risk to your roster, right? We haven't seen, Smith and Jigba do anything at the pro level yet because he's still a rookie. He's undrafted at, uh, at the current moment. And we've seen Amon Ross St. Brown absolutely tear it up two years in the league. And he's not that old. I mean, he's a young guy. He's like 23 or mm-hmm. whatever. So anyway, um, all of that's to say is I don't necessarily disagree with the ranking on keep trade cut. That's right where I have him. But I like what you're saying about the approach of potentially looking to move him for somebody like a high-end quarterback option for your super flex team or even more of like a high-end running back option if you can do so without taking on too much risk in the process yeah all right man well i i like it uh how do you feel about like chase or jefferson do you think that he could amon ra i mean do you think that amon ra plus what does amon ra plus equal chase or jefferson do you think something can get that done or is that something you're not interested in doing I mean, you're talking about in that case, like giving up a, a Monroe St. Brown and like a first rounder for like Jamar Chase. And I mean, while that sounds like pretty good on paper, like that's probably like three wide receiver points in your contending roster. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a good use of points. I'd, I'd have to think on that one a little bit more. But nah. All right. Well, I let, would, let me draw it back here because I, I think I agree. And I think that like. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the right process. The whole point of this this uh, player being a sell is that I, I was trying to 
find a way to make my team better by selling a good player. And so mm-hmm. that that's getting that quarterback, that's getting the the players like Pitts or or somebody like that that are, are being slept on right now. So yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much it. But uh, I, th- I, I think this might be another situation where there's not a ton, a ton of upside out there for Amon Ross St. Brown. But and, and same thing for Jefferson and Chase, right? Like yeah. the value is kind of already as high as it's going to go. But that's OK, because they're young, they're super studly and you can bank on that, you know, for Amon Ross St. Brown, in his case, that low end wide receiver one production for the next, I don't know, seven, six or seven seasons. Right. So. Yeah. My biggest That's not a bad deal. My biggest takeaway from our last two players, DK Metcalf and Amon Ross St. Brown, is that you should trade DK Metcalf for Amon Ross St. Brown. <laughs> so Amon Ross St. Brown, both a sell and a buy if you're trading away DK Metcalf. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, I hey, <laughs> I'm I'm not the one saying he's a sell. That's you, bud. Yeah, well. On that note. Thank you for listening to episode 83 of the Long Game Dynasty Podcast. We appreciate you listening. Y'all have a good one. You hear? Yep. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.